you're listening to Family Life at Cornerstone. A weekly devotion about what is going on in the life of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. I'm Justin Wheeler. I'm the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And I want to talk to you about a couple of things that I'm really excited about that are happening right now in the life of the church. And then we're going to get to our study of the book, The Gospel for Real Life. Now, I just got back a couple of weeks ago from uh, a trip down to Haiti, and I gave a report on that in the church just this past week. And we talked about not only the the pastor's conference that was taking place there and the training of Haitian pastors uh, to do the work of ministry, to preach the gospel and to preach the word of God faithfully and effectively, but we were also able to spend some time with our partner church in Douain, And it was just encouraging to see how faithful the church in Haiti, in Douain, has been with some of the gifts that we've given them over the years. We've been blessed to to have the ability to give money to help them uh, to establish themselves um, as a church, to buy some land, to build a, a wall around that property to secure it, to build a new building that they can worship in, that can house orphans and take care of those children and the widows that are with them, so that they can do faithful ministry for the sake of the gospel in that community. So I'm really excited about that. I'm looking forward to the next opportunity we have. We're going to take a team to Haiti again sometime later this summer. Uh, I think early June, late June, early July time frame. And, uh, so I just want to Praise the Lord for that and and encourage you in that to be thinking about those brothers and sisters who are serving the Lord down there in Haiti. I'm also excited about the fact that we have uh, two of our own missionaries, Luke and Julie. They're going to be with us uh, this Sunday. I'm excited to hear from them and to hear the Word of God preached by Luke. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious for us to put our hands on them and our arms around them and to embrace them, but also to pray for them as they begin to head back and move their family back Uh, to India to not only engage in life there, but also to engage as believers in Christ. Uh, There's also some things going on in the life of the church that are brand new to us. We've been doing missions for years, and these missions relationships that we have have been established over years, but we're we're doing something new in the next two weeks. We're going to be taking part in a traditional tenebrae service, and that's a weird word, and if you've never heard it, you might have no idea what that's all about. Now, you can find information about our Tenebrae service on our website, cornerstonewiley.org. You can go to the bottom of the page and click on Coming Events, and it'll take you right there. Basically, what Tenebrae is, it's a Good Friday service where we reflect on the death of our Savior Jesus Christ and all of the things that lead up to that. The word Tenebrae, it's actually a Latin word that means shadows. It means Uh, really darkness. And it's a service of shadows. It's a service, a candlelight service, where we're going to walk through um, the the stories and the scriptures that that tell us how Jesus went from the upper room with the disciples uh, having communion for the first time, all the way to the cross and even into the tomb. And the idea behind Tenebrae is that we're made to not only we're confronted with the reality of Christ's uh, last night on earth and his death, but we're to walk away on Good Friday really pondering the, the weight of the fact that Jesus died in our place. 
And the, the service doesn't end there, really. We're going to end that night in a time of silence, in a time of darkness, walking out with the weight of all that on our minds and hearts. But then we gather again on Resurrection Sunday to celebrate Christ rising from the dead. So I'm really looking forward to that. Cody has done a wonderful job organizing and planning. And we have a lot of our, uh, our members, our praise team members, but others that are going to be a part of that service. And I know it's going to be special for all of us. Now, it's going to take place on Good Friday, which is going to be March the 30th. It's going to start at 7 p.m. And so we really hope that you'll be there. It's going to be a wonderful time for us as a body. Now, this week, I want to talk to you about chapter 7 in Jerry Bridges' book, The Gospel for Real Life. And and as you turn to chapter 7, it's on page 69 of the book, you'll see that today, or this week, we're talking about and reading about the word ransomed and the idea of ransom. Now, this is not a foreign word to us. We understand something of what a ransom is. Is we often think of ransom in the context of, you know, like a kidnapping situation. As horrible as those things are, that's usually where we see that term uh, being thrown about. The, a kidnapper comes in and he takes away an individual and they are demanding a ransom. The ransom in that case is the price that they are willing to accept in order to release the individual that they've come to kidnap. Now, that's not the only way that that term is being used or has been used throughout the ages. Um, that term was used centuries ago to talk about you know, the, the, relief of, the release of prisoners from captivity. If, if a particular army uh, won a battle, they would take the, the prisoners of war into captivity and then there would be a ransom price that would pay. There would be uh, some concession that was made in order for those prisoners to be released. Now, in Bible times... Uh, the word ransom was often associated with slavery. It was a price that was paid in order for someone in slavery to be purchased back uh, out of captivity. You can even think about um, in Egypt when the people of God were released by God. They were released from captivity and there was a price that was paid. God paid that price with the blood of the Lamb. But there's also this New Testament concept. Ransom, redeem comes up over and over and over, and it's really pointing to the work of the gospel. It's pointing to Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. So the biblical concept of what Jesus came to do, well, we can read about it in the scriptures in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. It tells us that Jesus came and gave his life as a ransom for many. Uh, And the idea is that he paid a price in order to ransom those people. Um, You can look at Hebrews 9 to 15 where it tells us that Jesus died as a ransom. So his death was paying a price. He died as a ransom to set us free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Uh, So this idea is that Jesus has come to ransom us. He's come to redeem us. We looked at that last week. But he's also come to ransom us. But what does this really mean? (laughs) He's ransoming us from what? He's ransoming us for what? There's a lot of questions surrounding this issue. And so in order to kind of get at what this means, I want us to look at Galatians chapter 3 together. That's what Jerry Bridges asks us to do in the book. He says this, in Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 10, we read, For all who rely on the works of the law, well, they're under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and to do them. 
Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So now these verses are trying to help us understand, well, really the answer to the question of why do we need to be ransomed? Well, we need to be ransomed because we are under a curse. That's a little bit harsh, isn't it? I mean, that's we are under a curse and we need to be released from the penalty of that curse. And according to Galatians chapter 3, we're under a curse because we have failed to keep the law perfectly. And that's a weighty thing to think about. We are enslaved. We are under a curse. And we need to be ransomed. We need to be set free. So let's talk about that in not just in biblical term, but just common terminology. We need to be set free from the penalty, the curse of our sins that we committed. We, we sin against God. We sin by breaking the law of God. And we need to be ransomed. We need to be redeemed from the penalty. In other words, the picture is that we are being held captive in chains and we need to be set free. And that's what Christ has come to do. He's come to set us free. We need to be set free, ransomed from the curse of the law. Now, that's, that's what we see in the scriptures. That's the idea that we see in this particular chapter as well. Christ has come. He shed his blood. His blood serves as the ransom price, which buys us back from the penalty, from the curse of our sin. And that's just general understanding of the gospel. We are under a curse. We need to be set free from it. But let's ask some more questions. Let's think a little bit more about this issue. Uh, we need to be released from the curse of the law. We need to be... Now, let's talk about the law. What does the law do? What is the purpose? What is the function of the law? Well, the law does a couple of things. The law reveals to us the nature and character and will and purpose of God. And by extension, it shows us who we are. It shows us our own sin. It reveals our sin. Now, it was also used in the life of God's people as just functioning within society to help us understand how to do what is good and how to do what is right. But it, it, it reveals something about our very nature and how different it is from God. And as a result, the law is used to point us back to Christ. So the law not only functions as uh, the binding cost of our sin. It, it, it curses us because we can't keep it, but it also points us to the one who has come to end that curse, to redeem us, to ransom us from that curse. Now, again, is, is it really that bad? Is, <laughs> is our situation really that bad? Why is, I mean, it's one thing to say that an individual needs to be redeemed or ransomed from the curse of the law if they've committed some gross and heinous sin. But what about those smaller sins? What about those smaller disobediences? Um, well, sometimes we don't understand the curse, the, the penalty, the price that is necessary because we really don't understand the nature of the God that we have sinned against. And that's one of the things that Jerry Bridges goes through in this book. When we think that the law of God is too rigorous or its curse is too severe, well, it's because in many ways we don't understand God and we don't understand the nature of sin. We need to understand that the, 
the reality of our situation is made clear by the reality of who God is. We've sinned against a holy God. We've sinned against an eternally glorious being. We've sinned against a benevolent God, a perfect God. And every sin that we commit is an insult to His character. And for us to think, well, God's being too harsh against us, it, it's as if we're saying, I don't, I don't even really care about you at all. I just want to be free from my sin. We don't like to think about God's exactness. We don't like to think about the law or the severity of its sanction because we don't have a very high view of God at all. We have a low view of God and a high view of self. But the gospel is going to bring us back and is going to say that even, even if we keep all the laws but one, we're, we're guilty. Because God is the standard. He's the perfect standard. Now, there's another thing that I, I like to think about when I want to answer this question um, about isn't the, the curse of the law a little bit harsh? Well, sometimes it's, it's helpful for us to see the, the extent of the cure in order to really understand the severity of our problem. Most of us don't like to think that we're, we're really all that bad. Right? We don't like to think in, in terms of Ephesians 2, that we are um, dead in our trespasses and sins, that we are following the prince of the power of the air, literally following Satan, that we are children of wrath. We don't like to think that way. But when we turn and we look at what cure was ne was necessary, what ransom price was necessary in order to redeem us, then we somewhat come to an understanding of how bad our situation was. And when we realize that the Son of God, the, the one and only perfect, sinless, eternal Son of God was the one who had to die in our place, then we begin to realize just how severe our problem was. There is no being more precious in this universe than the precious Son of God. And, and our redemption was was. It required that cost, that price, that ransom. And here's the point of this chapter. God provided that ransom price. As costly as it was, as needed as it was, but as beautiful and as costly as it was, He provided that for us in His Son. And Jesus willingly laid down His life in order to be our ransom. So is our situation really so bad that, that, that we're under a curse, that we need to be ransomed? Yes, it is, and probably worse than our minds can fathom. But when we can look to the cross and see what Christ did, what God purposed and planned, and what they willingly endured in order for us to be ransomed, then we can come to understand not only how bad the situation was, but just how glorious our situation now is. Because Christ has redeemed us, according to Galatians 3, He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. This is in Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. Not only did He endure the shame of the cross, but He, he took the curse of our sin and He put it on Himself. He became a curse for us. What a beautiful picture of Christ's love for us. What a beautiful picture. So Jesus has become our ransom. And this is all the purpose and plan of God. Here's what Jerry Bridges says on page 75. God both demanded the ransom price from us as our judge and then paid it in the death of His Son. 
And in human experience, we recognize there's a distinction here between the ransom, that is the price paid, and the Redeemer, the one who pays the price. And Jesus is both Redeemer and the ransom because He laid down His life in our place. And here's what we do with that. We should never cease to be amazed that the one who established the law that we broke and determined its curse that we will, we rightly deserve, he is the one who should himself ransom us from that curse by bearing it in our place. The gospel is a scandal indeed. The reality of what Christ has done for us is a scandal. But then the book goes on or the chapter goes on. He doesn't just ransom us from the curse, but he also ransoms us to something. He ransoms us from the curse and from our former way of life, but he has ransomed us to the blessing of being his children. I mean, that's that's what he talks about on pages 78 and 79. The judge who brings the pardon and who adopts us into his family, he not only washes away the guilt, but he also gives us a new heart. In this chapter, Jerry Bridges gives the analogy of the idea of a, of a, a murderer on death row being given a pardon at the end of his sentence and being able to walk free. Well, that sounds wonderful for the murderer doesn't really sound all that wonderful for the people who are going to be the murderer's neighbor. But not only does God pardon us and take away the guilt of our sin, but then he also changes our hearts. So we're we're not a murderer. We're not running around with those murderous thoughts anymore. We're new people. He not only changes our legal status, but he changes our hearts as well. That just goes to show us how thoroughly God redeems us, how thorough is our ransom. You see, the design of Christ's redemptive work goes beyond salvation from God's everlasting curse. Its purpose is to redeem us from sin to God, to be a people who desire to please God, who desire to serve God and love God and make Him known. We are redeemed from guilt, but we're also redeemed from the dominion or the reign of sin in our lives. And now we live our lives for the glory of God. And it's a beautiful picture of what ransom really means. We're not just ransomed from a bad situation. We're ransomed to a glorious reality, a glorious relationship with God through Christ. Now, now what does this mean for us as individuals day to day? Well, it's wonderful for our minds to embrace this. But it's even better for our conscience to be just calmed by this reality. Because here's what happens to us. We sin again and again and again. We, We continue to live. As believers, we continue in sin. And what'll happen to our conscience, here's what Bridges says on page 80. Our conscience knows that we will sin and we will continue to sin against again. And it'll bring accusations against us. But our only safe response is to plead guilty to those accusations without trying to minimize them, which is what we do a lot of times. We try to minimize that. But he says, no, don't do that. Don't try to minimize your guilt. Embrace that. And having done that, go back to the gospel and remind yourself that the curse of the law no longer has a claim against you. And then in grateful response to what God has done for us in Christ, We set ourselves to put to death by the power of the Spirit those very sins of which our consciences condemn us. He goes on and he he finishes the chapter this way. He says, only in this way can we continually glory in the cross and enjoy the unsearchable riches 
of Christ. So brother, sister, remember, because of Christ, you have been redeemed from your sin and from the curse of the law, but you have been ransomed to God and to live every day of your life, even as broken as that might be, to live every day in the knowledge that you are His and your ransom has been paid in full. So that's chapter 7. Now next week we'll look at chapter 8 where we'll talk about reconciliation, how there was a separation and God has brought us back together. So that'll be next week. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at CBCWiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thanks for listening.